0: This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, your podcast host, and this is episode 214. This week, Adam's catching up with Pippa Middlehurst, aka Pippi Eats, who's gained a huge following on Instagram for her brilliant dumpling and noodle technique videos. She tells us how eating dim sum with her granddad kicked off her obsession with Asian food, and we hear about her travels through Japan, Taiwan, and China in search of inspiration for her new book, including some intensive training with a noodle master.
1: Hey guys, uh, it's Adam Olive, Deputy Food Editor. I'm here with Pippa Middlehurst, aka Pippi Eats. Um, You may have seen her on Instagram, and she's pretty exceptional on that with her noodle videos, etc. She just released a new book, Dumplings and Noodles. Congratulations on that, Pippa. Thank you. So Ru, can you tell us a bit about, about your journey to, to writing the book? Like, uh, did you have a blog? Um, yeah, tell us a bit about that.
2: Um, I've always really loved cooking and p- particularly Asian food. Um, I grew interested in Asian food when I was young and my granddad used to take me Uh, to a dim sum restaurant with my brothers and it had it was one of those that's on like an industrial estate and it's got a really great restaurant above and then underneath is an Asian supermarket Mm. and I used to just get really excited and curious and I wanted to know what all these ingredients were that they didn't have at Tesco and and I I think that's where it started and it's kind of just grew from there um I've I went traveling um, last year uh, around Taiwan and Japan and China, sort of gathering inspiration and recipes uh, for the book. But ultimately, it's just been discovering and sort of teaching myself how to cook recipes that I like to eat. Mm-hmm. So, it's, this is, it's definitely these flavors are my favorite flavors and my favorite ingredients to cook with. Yeah, it's it's just my it's my favorite it's my favorite type of food to eat, and I've always loved cooking. So I taught myself how to cook <laughs> these recipes. <work>. I'm waffling.
1: <laughs> no, no, that, that that is amazing considering the like level of skill that you present in the book, and like you're basically teaching people. To have taught that yourself is 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 pretty amazing. And um, even I've used your Instagram to make uh, a pulled noodles. I did like, about six seven months ago. So. That's really amazing that you taught yourself, and um, what what do you think it was about the, those flavors that really really like got your attention that really like drew you in?
2: um I'm not sure i i I never really I never really got on with the idea of sort of meat and two veg, which is very much what what was on the dinner table mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. It was just I just found it so boring like, meat and two veg and then drench it in, in gravy. But that's just not... <laughs> that's not just you. Possi- I mean, every now and again I'll make, like, a roast dinner and it'll be great, but it's just not... I, I don't know, just not, not interesting. There's no texture, um, like, there's no layers of flavour. Um, but I also really don't like... Like, I really don't get along with dairy mm-hmm. and sort of... I don't... Asian food is just so much more interesting, and it's fresh, and there's texture, and there's complexities there that you just don't get on on a plate of meat and two veg.
1: Um, like further, you were just saying for the research, you got to go to um Japan and China, and you also went to uh, a cooking cookery school in in Lanzhou. Is that right?
2: Yes. So that when I think about when I think about it now, I think. I kind of think what was I thinking? I don't, I don't know if I could do it again. And I was I was pregnant at the time as well, and I was on my own, mm. and I can't speak Mandarin. Yeah. Um. But when I fell pregnant, it was kind of because I'd always had this trip in my head, and I'd always wanted to do it, and I just had never done it. And then when I fell pregnant, I thought, like, oh, this
1: is
2: it. I've got I've got to do it. Yeah, I've got to yeah. do it now. So I booked my flight and I went. And when I uh when I when I got there and I first travelled around like it was it amazing. And but when I travelled to Lanzhou, it was I felt really in it there. Absolutely mm-hmm. nobody spoke English, which is like well you a, would expect a positive
1: and a negative. You feel like you say, you feel like fully immersed, but also you're not quite yeah. you're not quite getting it all.
2: I was ab- I was absolutely fully immersed and also pregnant and there was ju- there was just no like in for, for example in Shanghai there was there was a lot of um, different cultures but in Lanzhou I didn't see another another white person another black person anyone it was just all all Chinese people and I felt really in it everyone was lovely of course, and so helpful, and that Mm -hmm. was, made me feel, like, safe, and, yeah, when I was in the school, so I had to have a translator when I went to the school, Um, and it was, yeah, it was, if I went to that place in my head that kind of says, like, if something happened to you now, (laughs) you're, that you're, like, this many thousand miles away from even the closest airport that would take you the thousands of miles home, yeah. like you would be screwed. So just didn't have, just didn't go there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You got to like put that out of your mind, just yeah, yeah. Just concentrate on the positives. I'd say it's an incredibly intrepid thing to do. I, I, that would terrify me. Um, but yeah, like what what kind of things were you learning? Like like to literally, you were just hand pulling noodles every day. Was it specifically hand pull? Was it all um like Chinese cuisine? Was it regional? or
2: So it's it's literally just this one dish, Langzhou Lamian, and. It's the the course there, it's 30 days long. I didn't do 30 days, I did two days. But the people that go there, uh, they do a 30-day course. They sleep there in the sleeping quarters. And then they work all day every day learning how to pull the noodles and make the broth. So day in, day out, they're literally learning to make this one dish. And then at the end, they get given... And it's like a little passbook with a stamp in it. And it's officially recognised... Um, it's like an officially recognised uh, qualification, then, and then they can then open their own langalamien yeah, shop. Okay. Um, so usually it would be—I mean, I was the only female there at the at the time, uh, but it was—it's mainly men of all different ages who then go and get the qualification, and then they can open a shop, and that, and that's like that would be their income for their mm-hmm. family. So it's like a real rite of passage. So I felt quite conscious of that and I wanted to be very respectful and not sort of just Mm -hmm. this, you know, white girl going in and and learning and then leaving. So I wanted to be very respectful of this practice because it's such a rite of passage and it's such an amazing skill. Um, But yeah, so you go in... There's not much there, a bag of flour in the corner, some uh, stainless steel tables and then a sink and that's it. And you you weigh your flour, you add your salt, you add your alkali and then you add your water and everything is done by hand. There's no mixes, there's real, real manual labour. There's no chairs, there's no sitting down and you're sort of doing that for eight hours of the day. So uh, mixing your dough, kneading it, it's about an hour to 90 minutes kneading and then before the dough is ready to pull, an an hour
1: of of kneading so like when a recipe says for like past the eight to ten minutes then wrap it it's it's an hour of pure on the work surface yeah wow
2: and it's to get the um must have
1: been like absolutely ruined after two days of that after 30 days
2: you know uh, at the gym when you do that exercise with the elastic band where it it like works yeah it was it was like Uh, doing that for eight hours of the day and I and I was pregnant at the time I was so knackered. <laughs> and um yeah, so it would be that doing your joe and you'd pull your needles and then the chef would Chef um Chef Dingy was called, um he was the head teacher, he would come over and he was very um he was a man of few words. You know, when there's that person who you really, you really desperately crave their approval, but they they're very stern yeah. and they don't give anything yeah, away. Yeah. And he would come over and he would look, and he would like inspect the noodles, and then he would scrunch them up into a ball and throw the dough like on the floor, and then you had to start again. And it was that over and over and over and over and over again for sort of eight hours of the day. And then it would get to five o'clock, and most of the other guys, because they slept there, they would just carry on um, into sort of into the evening. Mm-hmm. And after my first day, he said to me, "Do you when it was home time for me?" Um he said, Do you want to stay? And I knew it was a test. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of I think if I wasn't pregnant, I would have stayed, but I had to not be stupid. Yeah, no. Nah. Um But yeah, it was it was amazing. I'm so yeah, glad yeah. I did it. I made even though I couldn't speak to um my peers, mm-hmm. they all really looked after me. None of them knew that I was pregnant at the time, but they all really looked after me so when they could see that I was getting really tired eating my dough. Mm -hmm. If the head teacher's back was turned they'd need my dough for me. Oh that's nice Oh like when he came over and he'd test me, they'd be behind his back going like this and because there was a lot of things you had to remember Mm -hmm. uh, for pulling the different styles. So they would they would like mimic behind his back so that so that I would know what to do. So it was kind of I felt really a part of like this brotherhood almost. It was Mm. it was great. It was it was so tiring. I don't oh, yeah. know how they do it for thirty days, but um, I guess that's why it's such a recognised qualification because it's so hard.
1: That's like it's such an interesting concept to have sort of a, a, a certificate in a cookery school just for one dish. I don't think we have the same reverence for for dishes in, in in the West, but like just for one dish, you can go and get you know the stamp, and then after that, you can open your restaurant. It's a really really intriguing concept, really. It's, it's yeah.
2: The the dish is um it's eaten every day for, by sort of uh the, the workers they would go and have a bowl for their lunch every day like without fail so the shops are open from sort of breakfast till around 12 1 o'clock and then they shut um um it is it's a re- really nice dish like I could eat it every day we'd have it for lunch yeah.
1: um I suppose you, you'd probably be making quite a lot of it so there'd be quite a lot of broth and noodles around
2: yeah <laughs> but yeah it's amazing
1: so what, what else is in it? So you said there's like, you make a sort of like master stock or something and then hand pull the noodles and then what else What else is, adorns the dish?
2: So it's like a really simple um, beef broth with like mm-hmm. beef bones. Um, and then like you'd get, because it's made in a big vat, you'd get like a, a small amount of meat as well. Coriander, chili oil. And uh, The broth is uh, spiced with spices of sort of that region in the Northwest of uh, China. So um things like licorice root, Mm. uh, black cardamom, and then spices that we'll be familiar with over here, sort of, is like, almost like Christmassy spices, I guess. So like uh, cinnamon, uh, star anise, um, and uh, coriander seeds, fennel seeds, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And they're all spices that are really popular in cuisine of that area because it's uh, near the Silk Road which is a trade route. So yeah. they're the, the, like Muslim spices mm-hmm. that would be traded off the, off the Silk Road.
1: That's so interesting because it's like a sort of, yeah, it's like a meeting point of loads of different cultures as well, <laughs> minimally. But I um, went through your travels. Where was your favourite cuisine? Because obviously you, see, you went through China, Japan.
2: That's hard. Mm. It was it was all so different. I think I, I loved, um, I really loved Taipei because that was, a real mixing pot of cultures mm-hmm. uh, but but Taiwanese food really stands out on its own but you can see that there's influences from other cultures there so for example there would be um, like a stir fry dish with seafood uh, it's a recipe that is in the book actually and it would have uh, like Thai basil on top so you could mm. see like Chinese influence but also Thai influence yeah. and it just but it, in itself it's it's it's, it's definitely a taiwanese dish
0: stick around for more dumpling and noodle chat from pippa
1: okay favorite recipe from the book
2: oh uh, it's so hard all of the recipes in the book are uh, my favorite. No, yeah. um, I think thin, like you say.
1: if it is like like you're saying, it is like your baby. It's always like it's it's the, it's a diluted for or you know it's it's been distilled sorry distilled from all years of learning. And so obviously all the all the recipes will have a special place in your heart.
2: Well, I mean, I never, I never wrote these recipes down thinking that anybody would ever see them. They're all mm-hmm. recipes that I've scribbled in notebooks in my kitchen for for myself because Mm -hmm. I like to eat them and then when when I sort of was writing the book and putting them all down it's I was like oh I'd forgotten about that one like I need to make that one again kind of kind of thing and that like I, I love them all I think in my own copy of the book that um I've had for a good few weeks now I think the dan dan noodles page is probably the dirtiest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a recipe that I crave the most. I think, um, but I do. I, I when I when I flick through a cookbook, I think a good test is how how many recipes you want to make. So if I see a cookbook in a in a bookshop, I'll flick mm-hmm. through it, and if there's like five or six recipes that I would cook like there and then. Then I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah. And and th- I,
1: there is plenty, plenty in yours. I can I can tell you that.
2: <laughs> well, it, and it's it sounds daft because it's mine and that and the recipes that I love. But when I flick through it, I'm kind of like, oh, I'd forgotten about that one, and I want to cook that one now.
1: And the, the, yeah. the thing that I like about the book is is that it's it's kind of um, there's no, there's nothing else out there like that for for, for me. It's kind of. Um, got so many different um cuisines in it but all like the sort of big all the big hitters are there and like all the information is there um and the technique as well like the pictures for like how to pleat your dumplings you know how to how to hand pull your noodles is all there um yeah i think it's just i think it's a really interesting book that kind of yeah there's nothing really out there at the moment that, that's like it there's like really specific regional cuisine or or things like that but yeah I, I think it's i think it's superb really
2: thank you
1: that's all right um and obviously, you're very big on Instagram. Um, how big a part have, have that played to to you and your food? And and
2: uh, I mean, I I obviously it's given me a lot of exposure, which is um, which has gotten me to where I am. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny because m- my mum always used to like peck me to start a food blog, mm-hmm. um, and in a previous relationship that I was in the uh, The friendship group um surrounding that relationship they all used to take the Mickey out of me for um, taking photographs of my food and posting them on my like my what, what is now my personal Instagram page mm-hmm. um they 'd say things like "No one wants to see your tea and things like <laughs> that so I, I
1: how wrong could they be
2: <laughs> so i stopped I stopped doing it and I mean, I wasn't blogging at the time. It would literally just be p- bits of pictures in between other rubbish. Um, and so, so I, I, I believed that nobody was interested in what I was doing or what I was cooking. So I would just cook for myself or mm-hmm. my family or whatever. And then, um, that relationship ended and the relationship I'm in now with my partner, Christian, he, um, he basically set up a food blog for me. Like he, uh, Made the domain or whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, "You need to start a food blog, um like start an Instagram. Like people are interested." And I was like, "No, I'm no, you know, nobody's nobody's interested in what I'm doing." And then I just I slowly started to sort of do it and play around with it, um and and then I guess the rest is rest is history. <laughs>
1: yeah, but like, is it is it quite time consuming? Because obviously you do a lot of. Um, the video sort of like overhead without like all the little bowls but is that basically just your lunch or your dinner but you just kind of record it almost
2: it used to be it used to be um, yeah, yeah. when i when i started doing it it, it it was that but then as um the videos kind of became more popular and i guess that was what people were really enjoying i i I, I started to sort of invest in better equipment and and try and spend a bit more time doing it. So now, and I feel like I've kind of set the standard for myself now. So if um, if, if I'm doing one now, it's like I'm getting the tripod out, get my camera out. Um, I'll have to have like all the ingredients ready to go and whatever. And it's it's kind of the the process has sort of refined itself to to what it is now, mm-hmm. um, and it does. It's I think. The editing of it takes quite a while, so sometimes if I am just making it for my lunch, I might um, just like use my phone, put my phone overhead or whatever. Yeah, but Then yeah. I'll just not find the time to edit it. So I've got, I've got so so many pictures and videos <laughs> on my phone that I've just never even used. I'm going to tell you how many pictures I've got on my phone right now. Um,
1: yeah, you, you're the sort of person that's always buying the the, the uh, cloud extension packet packs.
2: Yes. Do you want to have a guess?
1: I'm going to have a rough guess at about seventeen thousand. Eighty-five
2: thousand oh, eight
1: hundred and ninety-three. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You do take a lot of pictures.
2: There's no going back for me now. I've, there's been times where I've been like, I'm going to have to um, go through and delete all these. But, but it's that's, um, that's
1: untacklable. You can't tackle that. No, that's, it's you, impossible. You, that, that is a, a never. That's a needle in a haystack job. You'll never find. You'll never get to the end of that. Because no, by, the by the time you stop in the in the time period, by the time you tackle it next, you've taken the same amount of photos that you would have deleted anyway.
2: Yeah, um, exactly. Yes, I'm not. I'm just ignoring it. Yeah,
1: that's it. Um, is there any uh, cuisine or region um, that you would like to delve deeper into that you don't know that much? You'd like to explore more?
2: Yes, I. I just got the um, the Rangoon Sisters cookbook. Ah. Mm. Oh. The recipes in that look amazing, and no, Burmese is the, the food is Burmese yeah. Burmese, yeah. Burmese food is not something that I've explored before or, or know a lot about, and I'm I'm so excited to get stuck into that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's some similarities in um, uh, in some of the cu- cuisines that I'm familiar with, and so there's a lot of ingredients in my pantry and in my fridge that I have already. So, and it's and it's sort of different ways of, of using those ingredients together. And I'm so excited to get stuck into Burmese food.
1: Yeah, no, so it's a really interesting one for me as well, obviously from where it lies between sort of, you know, like East Asia, like the India, Bangladesh, and then like the Thai sort of side of things. And it, yeah, it's just it's sort of like a, a new melting pot that I hadn't really, I didn't really know about before. I didn't know there was that, sort of like, you know, that cuisine was there.
2: Yeah, same.
1: Um, any plans on a second book? Uh yes. <laughs> not allowed to say, but yes.
2: Yes, I'm not allowed to say, but yes.
1: Um, Is there anywhere you'd like to travel more in?
2: Um, yes, I would love to go back Um, to Japan, just everywhere that I've been already, but I would also love to go, I'd love to travel to South Korea. Mm, that's where I want to go, I
1: really want to yeah, go to South I'd Korea. L-
2: Love to travel more in uh, Thailand, Japan and China. I mean, there's all those countries that have vastly different regions. Um,
1: That's the thing, because I think you, whenever you go somewhere, you never really... Well, like, you can either do a really small bit or you can do a big bit and then sort of, you know... If you do a small bit, then you're missing out on other bits. But if you're a big bit, you're kind of not delving as deep as you'd like to go. If you could only have one pantry ingredient, what would you have? What's like... <laughs> oh oh, okay right all right three three okay three
2: Flour, obviously yeah if i have a bag of flour and and some running water then i know that i can feed myself Mm -hmm. um light soy sauce can't live without um do i have salt and oil automatically
1: like yeah, can i yeah, can that's, i that's a given yeah
2: okay fine you can have salt um, and, oil. and then probably a citron chili oil nice yeah
1: because then you know that you can enliven any meal or wherever you have you can you can perk
2: it up yeah i can, i know if i have those three things that i can make a lot of a lot of meals
1: can you tell me and the people at home what the difference between light and dark soy and how we should use it because I don't think people really understand what... I think people think that dark is saltier, but I I, I know that is not always the case or not the case.
2: So dark soy sauce actually does contain more salt, but it also contains more sugar, so the overall flavour isn't as as, as salty, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So light uh, light soy is used as a seasoning and is used to add salt, Um, and so it's lighter in colour dark soy is used uh, to add colour so um, it it adds flavour as well but it's mainly used um, to sort of add colour and and an extra sort of uh, mellower uh, layer of Mm flavour so if you're using soy sauce to season you would always use a light soy and then for example if you were making a chow mein or um, a dish that has that dark sort of glossy sauce that comes from using dark soy sauce um I think it's It, it it's I, I understand why people get overwhelmed with Asian ingredients The you, you could go into a supermarket and buy sort of four different brands of dark soy sauce and they would all be very different in colour and I think the ones that you can get in, like, Tesco or whatever, or in, in larger supermarkets these days, the dark soy sauces aren't the same as a Chinese dark soy sauce. And a Chinese dark soy sauce is different to a Japanese dark, dark soy sauce. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. different to a Thai dark soy sauce. Um, like, some of the Chinese dark soy sauces that I have in my pantry, they smell almost alcoholic. They're that, they're that strong and that dark fermented. And
1: fermented, yeah, yeah, right.
2: Yeah. But... um, but yeah, they're not interchangeable. And if you are, if a recipe calls for soy sauce, it, it will mean light soy yeah, sauce. Yeah,
1: it literally means to like to season the dish.
2: Yeah. Be.
1: Cool. Um, lastly, I think I know the answer, but dumplings or noodles?
2: Oh, uh, probably noodles. <laughs>
1: yeah, I thought you'd say that.
2: But I mean, dumplings is a close second. It's
1: a close second. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, um, Really nice to talk to you.
2: Yes, you too. Thanks for having me.
0: So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you want to explore more of our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and great cooking advice. Why not try a subscription to Olive Magazine this summer and get the very best recipes delivered to help inspire your cooking? To take advantage of our current offer of three issues for only £5, go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash OLPOD720. That's O L P O D 720. Terms and conditions apply. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode to listen to.